everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Online Warriors podcast. This week, we have a special treat for all of our listeners. We're kicking off the show with an interview with our special guest, Charles Watson, the creator of the game tracking app, GG. Charles, welcome to the show. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe your background in software development, gaming in general, and, and anything you want to tell us about GG. Yeah, well, I've been working on GG for a little over five years now, which is kind of crazy to say out loud, but <laughs> yeah, I've been a software developer for almost nine years, I think, or actually almost 10. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when half of it has been this project <laughs> yeah i mean what do you want to know well yeah nerd take it away let's let's hit let's hit some questions here let's dive right in sure so for any of our listeners out there who might not be familiar with your app can you tell us a little bit about the gg app and what inspired you to create it like what was your inspiration to take this five-year journey that you've been on yeah so kind of started i had like a 12-year hiatus from gaming and i Started getting back into it with like listening to podcasts and stuff and everyone's throwing out recommendations left and right and having used Goodreads and Letterboxd for books and movies. I wanted something like that for games because of all the recommendations I was getting. So kind of what led me to do that. Yeah, see, what I do is, for me, Nerd Bomber recommends games to me, and then nine times out of ten, I just don't play them. <laughs> so it, if we were both on this app, you know, I would just be, I would be looking at what she has in her backlog to basically just inspire myself what to not play. Uh, and I'm sure that's not what it's, what what the app is supposed to accomplish. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of a, a running joke on the show here is that she tells me to play things and I say, I don't even say no. I guess it just kind of like, it just happens that I, that I don't <laughs> it's do It's just it, implied but. at this point. This app, by the way, I just want to say it, I'm so surprised that your creation was the first time I'm hearing of something like this. And it just, it makes sense. Like you said, after seeing Goodreads and, and how that works, it just, it, this just absolutely makes sense. So I really like the name of your app. Was Gigi the first name that came to mind or were there some fun runner ups? I think it's only the second name. So when I first like created a folder on my desktop for ideas, it was called backlog breakdown or beatdown. I don't even remember, but that name partly came from a Facebook group I was in. We were doing a, a challenge basically to go through your backlog. And that was kind of the name that they used for it. So that challenge sounds like it was imp- incredibly daunting. It was, it was fun. It, we kind of, it was like a golf style game. So the more games that you play from your backlog, the more points you get. And then like, if you buy new games, you lose points. Ooh, I kind of like that concept. It was fun. You should integrate something like that into (laughs) GG. Like just a a little punishment almost every time you add more things to your backlog. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about that, but I might eventually add like a challenge thing, backlog challenge where sort of like Goodreads for reading challenges. And if you play enough games, you get tickets to Pizza Hut, (laughs) just like the old public library. It was a... So, yeah, you're reminding me of things that are gone and it's making me sad. So <laughs> let's, let's transition to happy. You started GG in 2017, like you, like you said, kind of a five-year journey. 
quite a journey and it, it seen only seen exponential growth year over year. Was there a specific turning point that you saw the growth really start to accelerate? And kind of on top of that, it's got to be so exciting to see all the positive reception, watching the community grow. So yeah, I guess I guess when did you see that really start to take off and, and, and how has it felt? I mean, like you said, it's been exponential like year over year. So it's kind of like there's not really one single turning point. But I think that's kind of just the nature of the app because it's a very like social. Right. And you build a, build a community. Yeah. And people sharing their lists and all that kind of stuff. So the word of mouth kind of just spreads like a forest fire. Right. And that's, you know, the, the, these kind of list driven things, I have to imagine, you know, I've done this, you know, more so with movies, but I do this with my friends sometimes where I'm, I basically just make a list of like, it's not a backlog or anything, but it's like, what are my top 10 movies ever? You know, things like that. And when you make a list like that or make a list of games in your backlog, what's, what's the first thing you want to do with it? Probably t- like share it with other people or tell other people that it exists and tell other people, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm on this app where you can, you can kind of do this. And, you know, the word of mouth, like you said, it, it kind of just becomes exponential from there. So that's super cool. I can't tell you how many games I forgot that I played that were absolute gems. And it's it's just again, it's staggering to me that I don't you have rediscovered a list. on. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I find the most amazing, I mean the app itself is amazing, but you're a one-man developing team. Is that overwhelming especially as the app continues to grow and how have you kind of approached the challenges of a growing user base as one person working on this project? I mean, I've kind of had like a obviously super long term outlook on it. So I try not to let it become overwhelming in that sense, just because I know I'm going to be working on it for a long time and eventually I'll get to all the features I want to build. So I kind of just take everything as it comes in that sense. And so with the expanding user base, it's it honestly hasn't become like too much to handle in that sense. Like there's not really any more support requests than there were a couple of years ago. It's kind of just been the same. Mm-hmm. But with the Discord server, I think a lot of people come in there and get their questions answered in there from other community members. Right. So it's, it, it, it kind of has become self-sustaining, it sounds like, which, yeah, yeah, what that really means is that you've done a great job with the development. So kudos to you. Thanks. That's awesome. So kind of in the same vein, you're really transparent about your work on the app, which as an end user is really refreshing. You have a whole roadmap of new features that you're working on and even allow people to vote on new features. Between maintaining the app, working on new updates, managing your social media, and having a family, what's your trick for balancing everything in life? And having a full-time job. Oh, yeah. And having a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. Coffee. (laughs) monsters actually i just cracked one open yeah i mean i don't really have a trick it's just i just find play like find time to fit things in and just do it (laughs) just kind of just kind of grind it out right i am also a bit of a night owl so i exchange gg time for sleep a lot Which again is it's that's something that maybe maybe that's why I haven't developed an app myself yet. I mean, there let me be clear. There's many reasons, but one reason is definitely uh, I love sleep so much. Maybe too much. I also love monster though. I haven't had a monster in like it's got to be ten years. I had a I I went through a a pretty intense streak in college where there were and actually it might not have been it was a mixture of monster and amp and i don't, I don't know if you like have a, a strong preference for monster just what you happen to do but i was pretty into amp for a while and then i had to i had to give that up <laughs> let, me, let me just put it that way yeah i do have yeah. a strong preference for monster 
that's the best one i think i remember liking monster i like i remember liking amp i remember i i think i've only ever had red bull once or twice in my life and both times i was like man because like, isn't red bull like I, I guess i don't know which one is the most popular one red bull seems like it's the most popular one to me i don't know if that red is bull not, is but... probably the most advertised right I, yeah I, I i guess that's why i feel that way but I, I just remember drinking it and kind of being like really this is this is what red bull is like uh, there's, there's I, so many better options i agree with charles monster's way better yeah oh i agree with that too i, I, I pretty much anything's better than red bull Shout out to Red Bull. You're not very good. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what? Monster us. Yeah. There you go. Monster. Yeah. I, I, at the very least, you're going to want to send Charles a, a case, right? Um, it seems like that's that's an order at this point. So, one of the things that has has made GG stand out in the backlog community is is how easy it is to use the snappy interface. And we've talked a little bit about how easy it is to use. It sounds like your support requests have have kind of at least remained constant, maybe even dwindled. For a newcomer, it's super accessible, uh, especially in comparison to existing sites. So I guess, can you walk us through a little bit about some of the UI decisions you made, how you landed on it, on the current form factor? I guess, you know, was there any trial and error or was it something that you kind of saw very clearly from the start? There's been a ton of trial and error. Um, yeah. I can send you a picture of what it looked like in the very beginning, but it was oh, much awesome. different than it is now. Yeah. It's it's probably a lot of like I mean we all complain right about and granted it's a totally different thing but like I remember there was a phase of life and I think it's mostly over now but like every time the Facebook UI would change we would all be like oh man this is this is ruining my life <laughs> and by the way it really wasn't but like it was like the thing to talk about for a while I mean that's UI changes UI is gonna, it's going to be constantly evolving even for big play big websites like twitter that's always changing too right so it's probably really hard if not impossible to land on one thing right away i'm going to take you up on that i would love to see the evolution of this app i i tried making an app myself and i tell you it it looked probably like something that was made in powerpoint it was very challenging and like it, it's just it's got to be fascinating where it was to where it is i'm just very excited yeah, it, for that it's a huge shift well one of the main things is the homepage used to be like an activity feed, like Twitter type activity feed. Interesting. With minus like commenting and stuff. So it was just a activity feed of your play status and your friend's play statuses. So Very cool. as you evolved it, was that something that, you know, as you yourself were using the app, you were like, oh, you know, I want to go in a different direction. Or did you have specific, like, almost like beta testers who would give you feedback as you kind of progressed through different iterations? So for that specifically, I was kind of just wanting to do an update and came across various research about feed fatigue. So that kind of led me to wanting to do more of like a dashboard style instead of just an endless feed of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if it's possible, well, I wonder aloud if it's possible to like doom scroll like a backlog, a gaming backlog, because doom scrolling is a big thing right now, right? You go on Twitter, you doom scroll. I, I, I wouldn't think it would be possible to doom scroll just like what video games people are playing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, feed, feed fatigue is certainly a real thing. I mean, there's so many websites besides Twitter where that happens. I think for GG, like instead of just seeing like everyone's in like each update i think there is some value in seeing like a general overview of what everyone is doing so like so like on the home page there's like the popular with friends and stuff like that 
So that kind of segues pretty well into my next questions. What are some things you envision for the future of GG? Yeah, so one thing I'm actually working on right now is the updated collection system. So it's, I'm not sure if either of you are elite members or not, but um, there's a new My Games section, which mm-hmm. is the new collection system that shows everything that you've interacted with. And you'll eventually be able to like click in and see like all your reviews and ratings for that game and the list that's on. And then you can see like your friends stuff related to that specific game. So that's something I'm working on. And then I'm also working on splitting out the want to play status into a wish list and backlog. Oh, uh, I do will like be part that. of the yeah. That'll be part of the collection system as well. And the wish list will feed into a new release calendar feature. That is super helpful. I can't tell you how many times like having a running list of games that you know are just like vaguely coming out in 2022 is nice, yeah. but like being able to pinpoint a release calendar for everything will be super helpful. Yep. What are some tips that you would give to any developers uh, like Tactic, I guess? Tactic apparently made an made an app or planned an app that looked like a PowerPoint slide. You just admitted to that. Uh, any developers looking to start their own site or app, what are what are a few tips you would give them? Besides Drink Monster, you you already you already mentioned that. Start it small, like pick one or two key features and get them out to people as soon as possible. And also, if you have any plans to monetize it, do that as soon as possible. Right on. You heard it here first, folks. That's that's the secret sauce, I guess. I don't know. There's probably no secret sauce. If, I feel like if I've learned anything from this conversation, that so there's no secret sauce. It's like trial and error and kind of just 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 get out there and do it. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we'll maybe we'll talk offline a little bit more about that sometime. <laughs> so apps such as yours help users generate a list of accomplishments. Looking at your own GG playlist, what games are you most happy to see there? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, let's see. I have my profile pulled up right now, so I'm looking. <laughs> I don't know about proud, but a few of the games that I've enjoyed a lot since getting back into gaming are things like Death Door. Outer Wilds. I really liked Soma, surprisingly, which that was one of the games that we played for the book club that we have going in Discord server. Is that? Yes. So yes, I, it's I'm not a big book fan club, of even like... though it's games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I think that's a brilliant yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> but I've heard Soma's pretty scary. I'm not a big horror game player. Do you think, like, I guess I'm trying to. Gauge I'm not either. How scary it is. <laughs> yeah. It's more. It's more spooky. There was only like one, there was one spot that had a bit of a jump scare. And even though like I knew it was coming, it still got me. But other than that, it's just more spooky. It's not crazy scary. I think that might just be putting out alley. creepy vibes. That might you guys are missing out. be on my backlog now because I think that sounds about my speed. Not like super spooky, just like one jump scare. I yeah. can deal with that. <laughs> you can always look up the jump scare in advance on YouTube to prepare yourself if you need to. So in that sounds like something that she's going to do. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of along the lines of, you know, games that you've played, the main, I guess, impetus for you creating the app was your long backlog. Is there any game that's been on your backlog for the last five years since you've created the app that you just, you want to get around to, but you just haven't been able to yet? Probably there's like 500 games in my want to playlist right now. A lot of them have been in there since the very beginning. <laughs> but let me scroll back here a little bit. 
500. That's that I, I imagine that's probably around the size of Nerd Bomber's backlog. Nerd Bomber, if yeah. you're the ballpark, I know yours, it's pretty big. Yeah, I, know that. I mean, that counts games I don't own yet as well. So, so we're, we're big fans of hard copies in this house, and I'm I would guarantee it that there is stacks of games that we have never even opened yet. So this this needs <laughs> like to be still, gone like through. like in the like shrink wrapped like in the plastic. I've taken the shrink wrap off, but there's just so many games in oh, so no. little time. And I'm sure Charles that you especially, you know, with all the work you're doing on the app, I'm sure you definitely relate to that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't I actually don't play that much even though I have this app. <laughs> To answer your question, a few that are at the very beginning of my want to play list are Hellblade and Prey. Both Prey is great. Prey, Prey was definitely like, man, when I when I played Prey the first time, I was like, I think I was in a, I was actually at a point, kind of maybe even similar to where you are, where I kind of like took, I don't want to say I took a break from video games, but like I took a break from like seriously playing video games for a while. I would, I would do it casually, like I still had a console, but then. I think Prey was a bit of a jumping off point where I think it was, I think it might have been gifted to me. And I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And like, I got really sucked into it. I also think there, there's, I think there's two games called Prey and they're wildly different. So when I first got the game, I was like, wait, is this the game from like, there's one that was like in 2009 or something. And it's totally different than that one. But it's just, oh man, it's so good. It's so, that that's worth, it's going to be worth the wait, I think, when you when you get around to it. Yeah. So this final question is something that we ask all of the guests on our show, kind of, you know, assembling uh, online warriors, Avengers, if you will. If you were a real life superhero, what power would you want to have? So I actually have a dream about this power all the time, like recurring dream that I have telekinesis. <laughs> so I think that would be the one that I would want the most. And you're positive this is in fact a dream, not that you're in a sleep state and you're using this power. Because remember, you're up all night um, coding, right. using this power in real life. You're positive. Yes, I am 80% positive that it's a dream. <laughs> that leaves 20% available for actual telekinesis. That sounds like the most, assuming it is a dream, sounds like the most fun dream ever. Like People always talk about they have dreams that they're flying, which sounds terrifying to me. Right. Telekinesis is fun. Flying with nothing under you. That's the beauty of it's telekinesis. Like, you can telekinetically move yourself. That, see, right. that's my, my problem with people saying flying as a superhero. And sorry for this side tangent, but if you're clever with your selection, you can make yourself fly as an added bonus. Telekinesis, make yourself right. fly. Firepower, give yourself thrust vectors. It's just the, the possibilities are endless here, folks. So there you go. Yeah, if you if you wanted your superpower to be flying, you're 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 wrong. And Tactic is here to tell you. Well, Charles, thank you so much for hopping on the show, joining us to answer some of these questions. Uh, before we let you go, uh, anything you want to shout out? I mean, of course, we're be remiss. ggapp.io is where you can find find GG and and get your account there. Anything else you want to you want to leave us with? Parting words, shout outs to your Twitter handle, or anything else about the site? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new features that are currently available to elite members. So if you want to subscribe and put food on my table that'd be great and maybe a few cans of monster too yeah gg fuel we'll call that from now on well charles thank you so much again for joining us we wish you the best of luck uh, with gg and uh we look forward to seeing what your future has in store thanks all right with that we are going to slide into a break and we will come back to hit you with some of the latest news 
Hello, me popsicles. Why don't you grab your multipass, a drink, and come sit with us? Let's pick each other's brain. We want you to be part of our intimate conversation about science fiction topics. Let's do this. Join us and let's talk about science fiction topics and books, movies, TV shows, and games. At Science Fiction Remnant, you are invited to listen in. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget your multipass. All right, we are back. Thanks again to Charles for sitting down to chat with us about his app and all the success he has had. We look forward to seeing what he rolls out in the future. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled nerd news. Uh, This week, in keeping with the interview, we're going to be hitting up a couple of video game related topics. We're going to be talking about those new PlayStation Plus tiers. We're going to be talking about the demise question mark of E3. And we're going to be sprinkling in some movie news in as well in the form of Project Artemis. So we'll get to that as well. But we're going to go with the old video game sandwich. And we are going to start with PlayStation Plus. Uh, So You know, I feel like we talk a lot about Game Pass on this show, and that's for good reason, right? Game Pass is pretty cool. That's, of course, the Microsoft thing. And PlayStation Plus is over here. Like, I had PlayStation Plus for a little bit. Not that long, but I did have it. I currently have it, it, but only because... You currently have it. I don't really... I thought you were off. I don't use it to play online. I specifically use it because that's the only way you get cloud saves. Cloud saves and also some, like, two... Yeah, yeah the basic tier so we'll go through the tiers because there's now three tiers i believe playstation plus essential is like what the current like what the regular playstation plus was before these tiers rolled out two monthly downloadable games exclusive discounts i don't really i don't know if i even buy that right right away cloud storage as you mentioned and of course online multiplayer access no changes yeah it says right here no changes for the existing playstation plus members in this tier and then they're rolling out playstation plus extra which gives you all the uh things from the essentials tier as well as a catalog of up to 400 asterisk uh, of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. So, you know, kind of like Game Pass, I guess. I just don't like... There's no detail about what that catalog entails, whether it includes new releases. I assume if they're not saying that it does, it probably doesn't. Yeah. You know, that's kind of... That's my immediate takeaway from this i think they said that it wouldn't include new playstation games playstation studio games rather day and date of release because it simply isn't profitable and that's not how they want to run their studios and to me that kind of like i don't know so why do it then right this is basically if you're going to compete with game pass compete with them but this isn't what that is. Well, I think this is almost like the anti-compete with Game Pass. All this seems to have done is taken the PlayStation Now service, which is that streaming slash some downloadable games on demand service, which I don't think a lot of people really subscribe to, and rolled it into PS Plus and just renamed it as one big package. But I don't really know who this is for. Like, yeah, okay, if you if you want to play all those old games and you don't already have them, and you didn't buy them, because a lot of those games in the the PS2, PS3, PS4 era, like, we're in the golden age of remasters. We get remasters up the wazoo. If you don't already own them, I guess maybe you would want to go back and replay them, but 
are you getting that value? Like how many of those are you replaying? Yeah, this doesn't seem like a monthly subscription thing. This seems like a, hey, I really have this itch to play this specific old game that I happen to know is at this tier. So I'm going to pay for it for a month, whatever. It's no different than buying the game. And like, right, including the mega hit Sony games like God of War, like I'm sure if you're late to the party, that's a, a good drawing factor. But if you're a PlayStation fan and you managed to get a PlayStation 5 at this point, like it's, it's not easy to do still. It's still hard to come by. If you manage yeah. to secure one, you're probably a big Sony fan and you've probably already played all of the the big first party games that you want to play. Like you've bought them and you're not going to wait six months, a year, two years, however long it takes them to be old enough to be classified as all of the best games or all the most enjoyable games, you know? Well, so you, you and you mentioned PS3 too at one point. So that's not actually PS3 games aren't included until you hit PlayStation Plus Premium, which is the third and final tier. Adds 340 additional games. Again, there's an, there's asterisks all over this thing. I don't know what they all mean, but there's an asterisk near that as well. PS3 games available via cloud streaming and a, what they call a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP genres. That does have draw to me. So, like, something I would liken this to is Nintendo Online. I got Nintendo Online. I, I don't think I still have it. I think I got rid of it. I should probably check. But I got it for all the for all the Super Nintendo games because there was, like, this kind of novelty thing going with it. And, like, there are PS2 games that I'd be very interested in playing. They Like, if they, if, if they have, like, the old Lord of the Rings games around the PS2, they were amazing, the movie tie-in games. You know, games like that that you can't really play anymore otherwise i i think there's some value there but it's just like like you said a lot of people who have ps5s probably already played those like there are people in a position who like like charles who we just talked to like they took a hiatus from gaming they're coming back they want to play a bunch of games that came out in the past 10 years if yeah you could sign up for this for a year you know spend 100 bucks or whatever and probably play 20 games and you're getting you're getting your money's worth there but how many people are in a situation to do that? You know, I, I just, I, I think the Game Pass model, you know, and I'm, I'm a PlayStation fan, but I think the Game Pass model makes so much more sense. Now, you we should kind of break newness. down. You want that hot newness. So, so PlayStation Plus Essential, 10 bucks a month. We'll, we'll, we'll stick the monthly prices here because I think that's the best way to talk about this. The new extra tier, the, mid, the middle tier, 15 bucks a month and the premium tier, 18 bucks a month. Now, Game Pass comes in at what exactly? I stacked my subscription. So way back in the day when they announced Game Pass, they also announced that if you had gold, that you would be converted over into a Game Pass subscription. And between that and Microsoft points, like the rewards points, I have not actually paid for Game Pass since it came out. A quick Google looking at all the plans, $10 a month. Is that true? I believe so. And I think Ultimate is going to become i think ultimate is 15 yeah ultimate's 15 i just like yeah the prices are better and and like she said you're getting that hot newness game studio title xbox game studios titles same day as release like i and and like isn't it kind of common knowledge at this point that like game pass is going really well for microsoft so i just don't understand why sony wouldn't want to like ever i guess everyone would see it as like oh they're copying microsoft but like i would be like okay i'll get fine i don't care you gotta do it like I don't understand why they're trying to distance themselves from putting out PlayStation Studios 
you know, new releases, same date. If they just add that to it, keep the same prices, then you're both doing the same thing and you're both more than likely profiting off of it. So I just, that's where I'm kind of at a loss here about why that element of it has been left out. Uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of confusing to me. You know, you can certainly make an argument, step in the right direction. <laughs> like if you want to go that way with it, I mean, it's certainly a step in the right direction. It's getting closer to the, to what Game Pass is and, and Game Pass has been obviously very successful. It just seems to fall short to me. I mean, I, again, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't even have PlayStation Plus, like the basic one right now. So I don't really care, but it just seems strange to me. I don't know. I think the the main struggle is probably behind the scenes on the legal team of Microsoft and, and they're probably handcuffing what these games are like once you sign up for game pass i wonder if there's sort of exclusivity that we don't see like if playstation were to do x y and z you can't allow that because did like they trademarked the idea itself or something yeah i just i wonder if there's you do stuff that? i don't think you can i mean look at Netflix. i'm not a trademark lawyer but that doesn't seem allowed yeah i mean <laughs> to me the streaming game wouldn't be and calling it a game is going to make it very confusing but i'm talking about like television streaming i don't think it would be as prolific with so many different services if there was a way to do that because you know netflix would have that on lockdown they'd be like we were the first ones on no, the no, no i'm not saying that microsoft is saying that playstation can't stream i'm saying when they work with the developers of these games they say okay this game is going to game pass here here's how much we're going to pay you and we're going to give you this much but if PlayStation ever develops a similar service, you can't sign up. I'm sure they probably have some kind of non-compete built in. I don't know if it's probably aimed at PlayStation specifically, but especially with stuff like Amazon's Luna and Google Stadia, I'm sure they probably do have some kind of like non-compete. And that's why I do wonder if that's why PlayStation is sort of in this position and they're making the decisions that they're making. Well, but no, no, because remember again, Xbox Game Pass, this is right on their website. I still have the tab open. Like, they say same-day release for Xbox Game Studios titles. PlayStation could so easily do the same thing for PlayStation Studios titles. Like, at the very least, do that. Like, there's no, there, there cannot be anything stopping you from doing that because PlayStation Studios games aren't going over to Microsoft and doing Game Pass. Like, that, you take non-compete out of it in, uh, entirely, right? I think it really does kind of show us a little bit behind the scenes how Microsoft is kind of just eating the games almost as a lost leader for game pass because if playstation keeps saying that it wouldn't be sustainable and it wouldn't be profitable for them to have their games and their first party titles on some kind of service day and date just included because it just wouldn't offset the cost of development like microsoft must be i bleeding isn't the right term because they're such a big company with other facets of their their companies no but they're but like you're saying it would be losing money for them yeah yeah it's entirely possible and like and you know this is where things get kind of weird in the sense of like to me like yeah game pass might be losing them money but it makes them look better as like in the console wars quote unquote right now to me they're maybe winning because of this so like is it worth it for them to win the console war if they lose a little bit mo- a little bit of money on game pass it doesn't matter if you get more people subscribing and more people entering the ecosystem right which is i think is kind of what their plan has been from the beginning so sometimes i wonder if microsoft isn't necessarily even like worried about competing with sony per se it almost feels like their tactics with game pass are more aimed at heading off the new competitors like the stadias and the is it luna or luna? that's possible the amazon like it's luna i think they see 
Luna and Stadia, like Google and Amazon are mega corporations at the same kind of tier as Microsoft. And don't get me wrong, Sony's not like small potatoes either, but in comparison to the megalith, it's a different it's a different yeah. tier of corporation. So I almost wonder if Game Pass is more aimed at kind of edging out, you know, the other streaming services from these megaliths more so than edging out anything Sony's doing. Like I don't really see them trying to take down PlayStation. I think it's more they want to right. keep it almost like within the the quote unquote regular gaming companies if you will and, and and you know and maybe playstation maybe it goes the other way too maybe like i'm sitting here being like why would playstation do this you know if they're not even going to bother competing with microsoft maybe they don't want to maybe they just want to say hey you know we have our fan base and assuming they're loyal we're going to make li- their lives a little bit better by doing this and we think they're going to want it based on X and Y marketing data and all that. And, you know, maybe they don't care. But, you know, maybe someone says to them, hey, this isn't as good as Game Pass. And they say, we're not trying to be Game Pass. You know, it, it, at face value, I think it looks like they are. But you don't know what conversations have occurred, you know, around rolling this out and why they're doing it. Now, meanwhile, like, I always find it amusing in these conversations that, like, I don't I don't want to say Nintendo's sitting in the corner with a coloring book, but, like... Like I mentioned Nintendo Switch Online before and drew a parallel there, but like, I, and, and I, if anything, I think Nintendo is better for it. They're just like, they're so above this whole console war thing, aren't they? They're just like, we don't care. We're doing something totally different. Like, we're going to do our thing. I I respect the crap out of that. They just, they just, so they just fly above all this, it seems like, and they managed to do it pretty, pretty well. But yeah, PlayStation Plus at OW Legal 86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber, our main show account at Online Warriors One. Uh, where do you fall here? Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think it's it's silly in comparison to Game Pass? Uh, if you're going to get it, what tier are you going to get? Hit us up on the Twitter sphere and let's have a conversation about it. And let's talk about movies now. Let's transition into what's a very it's a very cool sounding name, Project Artemis. So this has been announced. Marvel co-stars Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. You remember Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's actually, it's going to come up later in the quiz. That was, I think, their first Marvel movie together uh, to be followed by, you know, The Avengers and about a billion other movies. And uh, Jason Bateman (laughs) is going to be directing this movie, Project Artemis, which is going to be about the historic space race between Russia and the United States through the mid 20th century. Now, Apple has purchased distribution rights off the heels of their success with Coda, which I talked about last week. $100 million deal. You know, I'm going to talk about Apple later in my What Are You Up To? They are freaking bringing the heat right now. Like, I, I, I not, you guys have talked about a couple Apple TV Plus shows. Like, Specifically related to the space race. The, you're right, for all mankind. And it, it's, it's mentioned in this article as well. Uh, that's the one you were talking about, right? I'm not yeah, pulling that out exactly of my butt. The one. Yeah. You know, it's just, I, I think Apple TV, like they're they're really like they're bringing it and i'm for it and i'm, I'm going to talk about a show that i'm watching on apple tv plus later that i'm really really enjoying and uh i think this is i think this is a win i mean scarlett and johansson and chris evans have proven chemistry i think chris evans in particular is going to be a super hot commodity now that he's kind of extracted himself from the marvel you know spider web was he ever I not guess. a hot commodity yeah. He was a hot commodity. I suppose that's a good point. He was a hot commodity even before he became Captain America, but then like he, he became Captain America. He did a bunch Captain of like America rom-coms and, like, and stuff. Yeah, but like there was that Human Torch stint. Human Torch was before, yeah, that was that was before Captain America. He he hasn't done very many rom-coms, has he? Sure he did. I know, I know he did that one with Anna Faris. 
I can't remember the name of it. He's done several rom-coms, if I'm remembering correctly. He was in uh, Scott Pilgrim. That's one of my favorite Chris Evans roles. Also, Knives Out. Great in that movie. Chris Evans is a good actor. And I think he's very hot right now. Scarlett Johansson, also very hot right now. We know they have great proven chemistry. I don't know, like, space race stuff. This is a potentially unmined, like, IP goldmine, I think. You know, I, I think, like, you think about the success, of, the success of movies like Apollo 13, which I know is a different thing that was, like, this once-in-a-generation event, and, like, the moon landing itself was a once-in-a-generation event. And it's just, like, it's it feels like, you know, s- space is, is it's the vast frontier, and the space race is a vast frontier in filmmaking that the depths of that, I don't think, have, have yet been plumbed. So, I don't know how you guys feel about it. It, it just seems like this is a, you know, a total no-brainer to me. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I was just, Nerdbomber and I were actually just talking about, you know, how a lot of these fascinating period pieces are always coming out. And, and you know, you, you reflect on the times now. And if we talk about the, the space race, like we did in last week's episode in the 2000s, it's going to be, who was the richest person to pay for a trip to space? Whereas back then it right. was like, you know, you pulled out your slide rule to get to space. The amount of computing right. it, used was like less than what's on a cell phone. Like it's just. It was less about who's going to go to space. And it was, can we make it to space? <laughs> like, like, let's start with there. Virtually can we make it to no space? technology. And it was just absolutely right. fascinating what they were able to do, given what they had and like how on the fly they were with problems that they didn't really fully understand. So this is kind of a a little bit more insight into that conversation Tectic and I were having earlier and not so much to do with this movie, but just in general, like, you know how we today make movies and TV shows about the 60s and the 70s? Because if you looked at content back then, like aside from news shows, there weren't really in-depth analyses of a lot of the big time current events, you know, they weren't kind of making movies in real time. But nowadays, like an event happens and a year later we have a movie about it, you know, like the right. one that comes to the top of my mind is like the Silk Road guy, you know, like yep. that whole thing. We had movies about it like a couple years, five years later, whatever it was. And I almost wonder, like you get more insight on events when you look back 20 to 30 years but are they even going to bother in 20 to 30 years making movies and such about things happening today because we already kind of made them i mean public opinion has to that's a good point like public opinion on things has to settle like we've talked about we talked about on the show when the trailer first came out the bubble that movie came out it came out over this past weekend i haven't watched it but like the movie's about the COVID pandemic. It's, a lot of people would argue it's not even over yet. And they're already <laughs> movies coming out about it. And like, you know, you're seeing movies like The Big Short, one of my favorite movies. I don't think they even waited, they waited like five years after the housing crisis to do that movie. Like, it's just, there's, I think you're right that the the distance between the event itself and the movie coming out is is just shortening and shortening. And I guess people, I don't know what it is. People feel like they remember it better so they can write a better movie about it. But I think it's more powerful to you know do something like apollo 13 where like well when did apollo 13 happen i'm about i'm show my stupid card here but that was i mean the movie came out what 20 years after that happened or something like that it's a long time so it just that feel that feels more right to me than you know making a movie a year after it happened 25 years almost exactly 25 years after that the movie came out and like to me that is an that's appropriate 
a year later, he probably should give it a minute. Like, I, I don't even know how I feel about that. So, yeah. Project Artemis coming soon. Tactic, any thoughts about this? There's no release dates or anything for this yet. This is in the very, very early going, but Tactic, I assume this is, you're a space, you're a space man. Yeah, my, my, my biggest thing is the the accuracy of it with regards to this, the scientific view. I, I really hope they consult experts in the field and, and there's, there's things that people will not surprisingly learn if, if you don't see a slide rule you're going you're going to be not not so much a hot, hot little potato so so apollo 13 you had mentioned and and the, the volatility of pure oxygen is something that resonates with regards to apollo 13 and there's a lot of little things right. with regards to how oxygen interacts and with with say organics and things like that that i think could totally be a huge like teaching moment for the viewers but also like it's a flex on hey we did our research we kind of know some stuff you think about things like the martian like we we book clubbed that on our old podcast we book clubbed the martian and like we all read it at the same time and reading that and even like watching the movie like yeah it's a science fiction movie like it it, it, it's it's about having fun right but like reading the book you're kind of just like to me the the main like source of joy from reading that book was like wow this guy really did his research and like he knows a lot of stuff and he's displaying a lot of just like pure like unadulterated nerd intellect that yeah it's and it's very cool to see that on screen too so i i couldn't agree more with that that aspect of this and in the meantime it has a really cool name project art that's uh we'll be on the lookout for that again no further details yet as of now but you'll be hearing more about it soon i have no doubt 100 million dollars even for apple is like it's you know it's money they're probably going to want to like shout this thing from the rooftops if they can so at this point before moving on to the next news topic i would be remiss if i did not shout out our fantastic patreon producer Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, here's to you, my friend. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. Thanks for giving us input into our weekly game segment. I am hosting this week. Topic to be announced. Uh, Stephen gets input into the weekly game segment. He gets this producer's shout out. And he gets, of course, access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and the occasional guest spot on the show as a night level member of our online warriors patreon uh there is also a squire level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog and a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and for all the details on all those tiers of support you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast go say hi to steven say hi to us look at what we got in store for you and uh consider giving back to the show keeping the mics running etc we're gonna i think we're gonna forego any more breaks and just go right into our next topic keep the podcast water flowing through the pipe you know so let's talk about e3 you know for the how many times do you think we talked about e3 on this podcast we gotta be at, in double digits at this point well no we do it every but, year we've been doing this for five years but so then we also talk times. about like but I, th- I think there's more than that though because i know we talked about like e3 going remote last year that was a topic and now we're talking about i think we, i think we might be close to double digits on this one that's true but and someone, we always like speculate prior to e3 yeah, we'll have our historians go back and, and check the tape this is this is a bummer this is bummerino news so strap in e3 of course has canceled its in-person event it happened a little bit ago the esa now informed its partners there will be no digital event equivalent this year so there's basically just no e3 this year why like what i i guess i don't understand i understand canceling the in-person event of course uh, it was of course canceled in 2020 and it was a digital event in 2021 
the digital one I thought was at least kind of a success or it was a success enough that they should keep doing it. I thought I don't understand. the digital one was well received. I actually preferred it to the one because like it, it felt like it was addressing me as opposed to addressing the audience. And it made me the person who couldn't make it just feel more included. And so I'm actually very confused by this. But part of me wonders if they had fully planned on doing an in-person and it was like all or nothing kind of thing. And so, you know, so they didn't have their ducks in the row in a row for a backup is what you're saying. Yeah. It's too late. I, I being in such a global world, I I can't fathom how you couldn't rig something up, but I almost wonder if they couldn't get developer buy-in though. Like you look at now the cadence with which studios and like the big players in the gaming industry kind of release information. And like Nintendo now has a regular cadence of Nintendo Direct. So does Sony. Uh, Xbox is a little bit more structured, I feel like, around award shows and stuff like that. That's when they'll typically have their showcases and they do a little bit more of a big deal sort of thing around them. But I mean, if you don't really get Nintendo and Sony back, those are two of your bigger presenters. And if they're like, hey, man, like we're good with just doing our own thing and then we don't have to like rush and show things maybe we're not ready to show just because there's this big milestone maybe that was a big driving factor too. Like maybe these studios are just like, hey, you know, like we'd rather do things on our own time. The internet's a thing. We don't need you, E3, to get our information So let me ask you something, Nerd Bomber. Is this the death of E3? I would say, yeah. I think that's like, once something loses momentum, you have a really hard time spinning it back up. What is the old Newton saying? An object in motion stays in motion until it stops. Like... I don't know, man. Until it stops. So, E3, for what it's worth, the ESA, which I actually don't know what ESA stands for. They're the people that do E3, whatever. They have already shared an official statement confirming that the, the cancellation is true and also that E3 will return in 2023 with, quote, a reinvigorated showcase. Well, now, with that said, that. well, with that said, I, I, I kind of agree. I think at minimum, it's, you know, it's a, it's a major blow, like, I don't want to say people have a short enough memory to like forget that E3 is a thing, but like I, I think this could diminish their rate of return on this. And I, I do like to think, not that it would make sense for them to do, but in terms of like the closed door sessions and like why this happened, I wonder if there was so much push from people like have it in person, have it in person, and E3 saying we're not going to do it in person, we're not going to do it in person, and people kept pushing them, and then they were like, you know what? No, not nothing. <laughs> no no e3 for you now that you want it so bad in person we're just we're not giving you anything i don't know what it is i'm sure that's not i'm sure that's not what happened because then everybody loses money but like like you said why else would this happen like it, it could be a logistical thing like you're saying it could be that they didn't plan right but it seems like everybody loses from this yeah this felt like one of the few things that was you know f- for us you know no one really like the oscars are for celebrities the the grammys are for artists e3 was for the people yeah because it wasn't like an award show it wasn't necessarily celebrating achievements that's what the game awards are for this was just like get hype these are cool things coming at you you know well and and it's not just for the people it's for the developers and in particular the indie devs who they can take advantage of a showcase where they can get they can establish some buzz when otherwise they would have a very hard time doing so. And like the ESA, I'm sure makes money off of this. So it's like, I, I just, I don't understand who is, 
holding this back from happening, even on a, on a digital level, it just doesn't make sense that it's it's not happening. I don't know. As far as 2023, like I believe them when they say they they will be back. I'm not sure it's going to be the triumphant and like exuberant return that they're thinking it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm so skeptical. Yeah, like I guess we'll see. But for now, a, a dose of skepticism, you know, and in the meantime, you make a good point, Nerd Bomber, that like we just had a state of play. Nintendo does directs all the time. Like we're going to get a relatively steady stream of here are things that are coming that you're going to be excited about. But like it feels anticlimactic. It's not as fun. It's, it, it, it can't be as fun. It's not an event. You know, it, it's E3. It's like a whole week of like, wow, as gamers and like as a generation, we are living such a great time in like human history of like, look at all these cool things that pe- this is art that people are working on that we all get to experience. And that's our first taste of so many things at once. It's just a beautiful thing. And for that to be taken away Again, I, I think I think the worst part is is the not understanding or knowing why. If they had a reason and they told it to me, like I chances are I would understand it. But them not having a reason, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I, what am I missing here? So are what are we guys, missing here? Are you guys gonna <laughs> miss <know>. the <laughs> annual E three episode? Because that is something I know I'm definitely missing and will miss. Like I know they have the summer of gaming they already announced, but like that's so drawn out. And it doesn't feel cohesive and... It doesn't count. It, yeah, it doesn't feel I'll like say it, it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. And the E3 episode and speculating and just being able to like spend an hour going like, oh my God, did you see this cool thing? There's dragons and guns. Like... I know what game you're talking about. Well, it's just like, this is supposed to be when... This is supposed to be Dead Space's triumphant. I wanted gameplay footage of the new Dead Space. And now I, I'm probably still going to get it, but like... I wanted the grand stage. I wanted I wanted that for it, you know? So it's disappointing. At OW Illegal 86, at OW Technic, at OW Nerd Bomber, our main show account, at Online Warriors 1. We need Why hugs. Why have they done this? It's not that we need hugs. It's just it's someone explain. Why, why? Why would they do this? Explain it to us. See if you can help us. And in the meantime, we'll transition into what are you up to Wednesday? Where we talk about what we've been up to. That's what we typically do here. Uh, I'm going to go first. I got Mine's pretty short this week. I'm going to shout out two television shows that I have started. And otherwise, my life has been full scale, moving from an apartment to a house. No further details at this time, because it's it, it dominates so much of my brain space. I don't want to give it airtime. Instead, I want to talk to you about Moon Knight. Did you guys start Moon Knight? We did not. Did no, you think, not yet. Did you, have you considered starting Moon Knight? We have. Is it on your radar? It's one of those things where I want to wait until more episodes are out. Is the that first fair? Episode is pretty good. It's uh, it's 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 totally fair. If only like, and let me tell you why. It's super fair. the The credits rolled after the first Moon Knight episode. It was great. Oscar Isaac is great. I'm very confused. Like I, I, I we've exited the realm, and I've talked about this before with Marvel properties. Every with every year that passes, we exit the realm of superheroes that i have any understanding of and like moon tactic i assume you know a thing or two about moon knight one of my favorite hobbies is is researching characters backstories moon knight so far is pretty off the wall like like the credits rolled and i just turned to my fiance and i was like i don't get it i'm like i was confused and to be clear i think that was probably a good thing like i want these shows to hold my interest and continue to surprise me and this show definitely is doing that so far i will continue to watch oscar isaac is great 
it's just yeah it, it if you have any expectation about what it's going to be and what it's going to do out of the gate maybe check check those expectations at the door is, is i guess what i will say but it was definitely enjoyable unfortunately it also paled in comparison to the other show that we started which is it might be my show of the year it's climbing the ranks and granted it's only april but like i would even say too in the last calendar year like the last 12 months severance on apple tv plus you've probably been hearing a lot about it if you're anything like me it's the real deal it's a very good show if you want to know what the dealio is oh i'll take you through it but but i'll take you through the premise imagine a black mirror episode but strung out over an entire season of television and here's the black mirror episode people can sign up to undergo a procedure known as severance in which you place an implant into your head Um, And what happens is when you go to work, you get on an elevator and go to what's called the severed floor of an office. And when you're in the elevator, because of X, Y, and Z things that they don't really explain science stuff, your personal life self transitions into your work self and you have separate memories in each place. So when you're at work, you basically only remember work. You have a work personality and a work persona. When you take the elevator down and get off or take the elevator up and get out, you're no longer on the severed floor. You're back to your personal life and you retain all of your personal memories. As you can imagine, it gets trippy pretty quick. There's a lot of like ethical questions surrounding it and just a lot of weirdness. Do they have a choice or is this something that's chosen for them? They choose it. But then like uh, obviously a big thing in the show is you know, a person chooses to undergo severance, but then you think about it, you're splitting yourself in half and one half of you is basically working for their entire life. It's all they know is work. That person's probably going to be pretty unhappy. I don't understand what the draw is to do it. I could kind of see it because like, I don't know about you guys. Work is very different in like a career setting if you're a salaried employee than if you like worked in a grocery store. How many times have you heard the phrase, leave it at the office? Right. Like, I remember when I used to work in a grocery store, like I would clock out and that would be it. And I wouldn't think about it in my career. Like it's just kind of always in the back of my mind. And like I'll randomly check email at night. It's just it is what it is. See, I guess that's the beauty of having something shiny around is the second I leave. Yeah, sometimes it pops in my head for for the most part. New shiny things distract. Am I the shiny thing? Yeah. Oh, the another way to put it work moved fast uh, that (laughs) oh yeah i'm not i'm not gonna address that at all uh another way to put it work-life balance like and then like and also like a lot of the characters without getting into spoilers like they got their reasons and 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 they get into it as the show evolves certainly a lot of great acting performances Adam, adam scott is the main character in a dramatic performance and it's quite good so far uh patricia arquette plays a critical role she's amazing john turturro also very good and the x factor tactic i'm gonna need you to bust out your christopher walken impression because christopher walken is in it and he is phenomenal so i would strongly recommend that you watch this show at least try it it's not going to be for everyone it's very weird yeah you know give it a chance i do recommend watching the show that was actually a bad impression i feel like that was pretty good that one in any case it's fabulous it's worth it's worth you at least trying it. If if it's not for you, it's not going to be for you. Like if you don't like Black Mirror that much, you're probably not going to like Severance very much. But if you do like Black Mirror, then you probably will. That's like that's the strongest I guess parallel that I can draw. So yeah, check it out. 
And uh, no Mass Effect updates this week because my PS5 is currently in a box. That's how moving goes. So more on that. Maybe not next week. Maybe the week after. I got to get it unpacked. Moving. Hashtag moving, you know? Tactic. So I'm going to cover I'm going to cover two updates. One, we have just been continuing to play the snot out of Tiny Tina's Wonderland and I, I we barely even scratched to the surface of the story. We're just exploring and doing side quest and just having a blast with it. So still 10 out of 10 recommend it. We're going to be playing that game for a while. And the other thing is we watched a movie called Rescued by Ruby. This is a movie that is fun for the family. It is about a dog based on a true story that was a shelter dog and they get adopted by a deputy and becomes a search and rescue dog through training and struggles and partnership and love. And it's just so good and so heartwarming. And you're really rooting for Ruby the whole time. My one complaint about this movie is the accents. They're in Rhode Island, but I swear to you, like six or seven people are straight from Scotland because they just don't know what a Rhode Island accent sounds like. I was like, why is that guy so Scottish? Just didn't make any sense to me. But everything else was good. I recommend this movie for the family. It'll make you just go, oh, I love dogs. Did you or did you not watch it? I just kind of Googled it while you were talking. Did you watch it because the Flash guy's in it? Yeah. Yeah. Was that 100%. like a big part of the draw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just, I, I just wanted to pal- make sure. There's one part in the movie where he's like, I just, uh, I want to be a superhero. And then we're like, uh, I want to go fast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's also a guy in it who looks a lot like Michael J. Fox. Scott Wolf. Never heard of him, but I'm just, he, I Googled like the Scott movie. Scott Wolf is like, like a, a B actor. I, I am, I, you're, I'm assuming you're on IMDb right now. Please tell us some of the other things he's in because I know he's been in stuff. He's like a TV has, movie actor, I think. Yeah, he has been in Nancy Drew, The Night Shift, Perception. He's really in Party of Five back in uh, back in the nineties. I don't know. There's not a lot here, honestly. <laughs> but he was in BoJack Horseman. He's got NCIS one of those faces. For a little bit. Maybe it's NCIS. Yeah. I know him from. That could be it. Uh, C- CSI New York, The Nine, Everwood. Just a lot of TV shows that you like barely remember. That's what it <laughs> seems like his main thing is. He was in Spin City. Which is instantly the show that Michael J. Fox was in. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Scott Wolf. Shout out to Scott Wolf. He might listen. You're great, maybe. I don't know. I've never seen anything that you're in, but you look a little bit like Michael J. Fox. And that's, I think, an accomplishment on your part. Uh, well, Tectic, if that's if that's uh, the end of the line for you, we'll turn it over to the Nerd Bomber, and she can tell us what's up. So we've also been watching a lot of TV. So we are two episodes deep into Halo, because it's all that's out right now. And... I have mixed emotions. I don't think it's that bad. One of the things that I don't like right off the bat, though, is I don't think I like Master Chief, question mark. Like, he doesn't... Which which seems... It seems pretty important. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Like, It's super important. So in the games, Master Chief is always kind of this strong leader who will do what it takes. And I mean, I know there's not a lot of like lore in the games themselves. And a lot of it is kind of developed outside in like books and novelizations and that kind of stuff. And especially not in the first game, like you really don't know what's going on in the first game at all. There's barely any story. You really don't. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. But the way that they kind of portray him, and I don't want to give too much away, but they basically kind of portray him as just like your standard military grunt who just does what he's told. And that doesn't sit right with me. And like, 
well, is is the voice at least kind of correct? Because that's important. He too. does what he's told, but he he's he's, he's like dealing with emotional. Yeah, yeah. Which I actually like that. I think to make the TV adaption, you needed to have him break down emotionally so that you can connect and relate to him as well. You a, need you, you, you need to humanize him. You well, you need a character arc too. Yeah. You need you need that realization to be what drives the drama of the show. The thing that but, isn't good, the voice is fine too. His face. It's his face. There's something. Well, you don't ever see his face in the in the game. They just right. picked the wrong face. Well, I I don't know. And maybe it's just because, like, it doesn't feel like he earned the unhelmeting. Like, when you're watching something like The Mandalorian, they pretty much go the entire first season before he takes off his helmet. And it feels like you've kind of earned it as a viewer. You know, they save it for a special moment. But he takes it off, I think, halfway through the first episode in Halo. And he spends most of the second episode helmetless. And it's just like... It feels, yeah, it seems like a weird choice. Yeah, and then, like Tactic said, his face is just not what I expected. I guess I expected somebody like The Rock, somebody like super chiseled, and like he doesn't look like he's out of shape at all. But like he doesn't look like the super soldier who the Earth's fate is hanging on. You know what I mean? He just kind of looks like a dude. He yeah, looks very generic, kind of like a guy. Almost I, I, like, I did Google while you were talking. It should have been like, like a, a genetically modified human-looking thing. Really? Meaning meaning what? If he's a super soldier, he should have like zero fat, super cut. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, like a Dave Bautista or like I said again, The Rock, like that chiseled kind of look. I wouldn't even say like they have healthy weight. I would say like just un, like an unnaturally chiseled jaw type thing. Like, again, these are genetically modified human beings that are bred and adapted not even bred, but just they're they're scientifically enhanced, so they should look it. And he just kind of looks like a yeah. Dude. I mean, well, he like don't get me wrong. Like, I'm you better believe I just Google image search this guy Pablo Schreiber. By the way, if anyone wants to do this along with the, along with us, he's got some photos where I'm like, okay, he's really he's like he's cut, like he's he's you know he's a he's a specimen of a guy. But then you get some photos where like he does have some muscle on him, but he also has like. I guess I think it might be a hint of dad bod. Like it's some, it's a little bit dad body, where you're like, okay, you kind of lost me a little bit on the Master Chief thing. Yeah, I think like I agree that Master fit. Chief, and he's supposed to be like, isn't Master Chief also supposed to be like seven feet tall or something? Mm-hmm. Like not not that they can do that very well, but like he's supposed to be this like physical specimen, super big, you know, kind of thing. Also, their boots are annoying. Every time you see anyone in the in in the program. They're just clonking boots. Like they're they're trying to make them audibly larger than life, but just make them larger than life. Stop making them clonk. They don't need to clonk. Every step they take is a clonk, clonk, clonk. Well, that this show that doesn't bother I, it, me. But I will say, like, we've complained a decent amount, I guess. But the show itself is enjoyable. Maybe not what I expected as a Halo fan per se, but it's a good sci-fi. Right. It kind of feels like they are channeling Mandalorian vibes. There's something about it that is giving me like Mandalorian story arc. And I know two episodes no then it's kind of hard to, to really get a good feel. But like, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, different settings and different episodes so far, different characters, like people coming after you, sort of chasing sort of stuff. Like it really is hardcore Mandalorian vibes. And it's not that bad. I will say even in the first episode, like there's a lot of fan servicey stuff, 
that I really enjoyed. The CGI for all of the alien races is kind of terrible. I'll say that. Like, especially for what you would assume is a relatively big budget show, it doesn't look great. But, you know, seeing all of the different weaponry, which is like true to the game, and even hearing like that iconic shield reboot sound you know what i'm talking about oh yeah that that's a good yeah, yeah. of course like do, 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 do. hearing that in the show was just like a this Ooh. super cool move moment for me so i don't know i don't yeah i don't hate it so far i'm having fun with it i'm not trying to be overly critical i guess i i think i'm a big enough like i'm not a big enough halo fan to care desperately how this show does, but I played it enough times to, I think still benefit from those kind of fan servicey moments and like just try and have fun with it. Now, now this show has a 70% critic consensus on Rotten Tomatoes, 59% audience score. So a, a rare instance where the audience score is actually lower. I think usually it goes, it's usually goes the other way, but it, it, it kind of paints a picture similar to what you're saying of like, there's a lot of glimmers of of well, glimmers of promise is actually the phrase that's used in the critics consensus, but it needs to, you know, it, it kind of needs to do something more than it's doing. And it's, it's not doing that. It's kind of what I'm led to believe. Now, I still might try watching it because I think it just could be really fun to watch. But like, I think there's just there's so much sin and, you know, it would bother me if they just tried to make a Mandalorian out of it because there's so much cinematic potential for something like Halo and to, for proof of that, you look no further than like the trailer for the Halo, the trailer for the Halo games towards like when they got to like Halo Reach and like even Halo 3, those trailers were awesome. Like they, they were just like, a, you know, the Assassin's Creed games. They made those games because of the trailers for those games. Or they made the movie because the trailers for those games were basically movies. And they thought, let's just do that. And granted, that didn't work either. But it just it's it seems like they should be able to just like, yeah, just make it work. You know, I definitely agree. and. Like I said, only two episodes in. There's a lot of room for this show to grow, I think. I'm curious to see where they're going to take it. We kind of got an inkling that we're going to see Cortana sooner rather than later in terms of like where she pops up in the series. So that'll be another big reveal that I think could be controversial, contentious, if you will. But I mean, she is the voice actor, so can't be that controversial, right? I wouldn't think so, but time will certainly tell. You'll have to keep us updated on that. And then the other show that we started is Minx. And this is an HBO Max original. We're actually only two episodes, maybe three, into this one as well. And this one is kind of about a female feminist playgirl sort of magazine. And this stars Jake Johnson from New Girl and... The girlfriend from No Strings Detached. Like the ex-girlfriend. And Ophelia... Lava Bond. I might have totally butchered your name. I'm sorry. But if you saw her, you would know her. And essentially, she has been kind of working on this feminist magazine her entire life. Like since she was like seven, she's been trying to create this magazine full of like feminist forward ideals because this is back in like the 60s or 70s. So like a while back. And she tries to pitch her magazine and it's kind of stuffy and no one will take it. And she happens upon Jake Johnson at a convention and, you know, he is basically this porn magazine magnet and he's got a bunch of porn magazines and he kind of latches onto her idea and sees potential in it, but spins it in such a way that it's kind of a porn magazine for women. So, you know, naked, naked dudes, but with feminist articles interspersed throughout. And I will say the casting is very well done. 
the humor is really, at least up my alley, I find myself chuckling throughout a 30-minute episode at least a handful of times. And it's just fun. So I would recommend you check this out with the caveat that there's a lot of nudity. So if you're not comfortable with that... Put the kids to bed. Yeah. There's going to be some pee-pees. There's yeah. pee-pees and tatas. I, I feel like I could have guessed that just from the, from the premise. But uh, good to know. I like Jake Johnson a lot. Yeah, so. he is really great in this role. I think it's perfect for him. And they're only 30-minute well, right episodes, on. so it's nice. Go down smooth. Cool. Well, we've, got, we've given a lot of TV show recommendations, I feel like, this week. But in the meantime, we can head to Quiztown. And I'm hosting this week. And the topic this week is Sebastian Stan. Uh, you all know him as the Winter Soldier and probably not much else. He has another things. We'll get to that. But... We're going to start a little more basic first. Of course, these are all prices right style questions, you know, numerical stuff. You guys know how it works at this point. But first, quiz records. As a reminder, before we go in, I am at five and four, Tectic at four and four, Nerd Bomber at three and five. Uh, Steven, one and oh. Congrats to Steven for being one and oh, undefeated. So this is a pretty big one. Again, they're all big ones. We, we really, we go all out here. But yeah, may the best person win. Let's dive right into it. Uh, how old is Sebastian Stan? Like I said, basic to start here. Oh boy. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start with, uh, who's, who's winning right now. We'll start with Tectic because he has a better record. Yeah. He's 34. I feel like he's older than that. Cause I'm trying to think like he's got to match up in age with Chris Evans, at least a little bit for that casting. I'm going to say he's 40. So Chris Evans is 40. Sebastian Stan is 39. No, come <laughs> so, on. Tactic is on the board first. Let me I'm just I'm going to Google it to double check. 39. His birthday is in August of 1982. So you were I tell you you're real close. Real close. Uh for the record, both both of them were older than I thought. But yeah, uh, that's a tough break for Nerd Bomber right out of the gate. And Tactic is on the board. In what year did Sebastian Stan first appear on screen, television or film? So I'm going to whip out my calculator. I'm going to do some math. Whip it out. So he's 39, right? So far, so good. Good math. Which me and like most actors, and this is on stage and screen or just screen? No, t- just silver screens. Or, well, so, so t- TV and film. TV and film, not counting stage. I have a feeling he was like a, a teenage heartthrob in like some weird B shows that we've never heard of, maybe in Canada. That's just my hunch. I don't know why I get that hunch. That's just my hunch. And I, I would say they probably start acting around like 13. So 39 minus 13 is 26. So 2022 minus 26, 1996. It's really good math. 1997. Oh, screw you. You both busted. He was I'll in one that. movie when he was 12 years old. So that was 1994. 71 fragments of chronology old. of chance. I was so he close. Was Look at my math. You I were, said 13. That was so close. You, you, yeah. You said 13. Uh, so yeah, he might have been actually 11. This is 1994. This came out. He might have been 11 when he was in it. Your math was good. Uh, your idea was good. Just just a little bit off. But like you said, tactic wasted is plus one. So... He no longer has that power. He's still up by one. And now we're going to get into the more detailed questions. Some of you may know that Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is my favorite of the Marvel films. So the next question is, what is the Rotten Tomatoes score for Captain America, the Winter Soldier? I'm talking about the critics score for this movie. That was an 83%. 
Oh, wait, no, no, no. I'm going to change my answer. Wait. Can I change my answer? He was so confident when he said it. I will allow him to change his answer. <gasps> that was an 87%. Okay. How many questions does he start after this one? Well, I mean, it'll be one more because there's okay, two questions. But I have, I have one more opportunity to use my plus one if I wanted to. You do. This feels like a trick. I feel like it's either going to be a perfect 98 or lower than what we thought. I'm going to say they gave it a 65%. I'm going to say they didn't think it was great. And we all did as the audience. Captain America the Winter Soldier is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with a 90% critic score. So Tactic almost hit the nail on the head. You should have used your plus one there, Nerd Bomber. You you blew it. Uh, Audience score is 92. This has got to be among... I would imagine this has got to be top 10 Marvel movie. I don't know. I don't have that information in front of me, but uh, it's quite good. And uh, a lot of that has to do with Sebastian Stan. So, of course, Sebastian Stan stars, stars as the Winter Soldier. It's 2 nothing, Nerd Bomber. You got you to gotta clean up here at the end. So I just keep that in mind. How many films was Sebastian Stan originally contracted for as the Winter Soldier? I'm going to say three. And tactic. And you cannot plus one me. I want to. I want to. I want to think this is a trick and go with one. It was not a trick. He was contracted for nine movies. Oh, as I'm Winter still Soldier. in it. So I believe he's. I mean, I don't. I haven't counted, but I mean, you have. No, I said First I'm Avenger, still in it. Winter Soldier. No, I'm just trying to count the movies. First Avenger, Winter Soldier, Endgame, Infinity War, Civil War. So that's five. If you count the sh- Marvel show, that's six. So he might. He's not done yet. Anyways, uh, it's two to one. This is very exciting. Again, continuing to go a little bit meta for this. Um, many of you may know that Sebastian Stan is bilingual and Romanian. He speaks Romanian in Captain America the Winter Soldier at one point. Fluently. What is the population of Romania? I have no idea. I'm going to say 10,000 people. I have a feeling 10,001 is coming. 10,001. 19.29 million as of the year 2020 so quite 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 a bit off pretty nuclear use of the plus one but uh that does bring us to tiebreaker town so i need to pull up my tiebreaker question i do have one prepared just want to make sure i have the notes that i need for it right in front of me so sebastian stan's most recent project or at least one of his most recent projects uh is the hulu show pam and tommy talks about the sex tape you know pamela anderson tommy lee now, hopefully you know a little bit about Tommy Lee, most commonly known as an American musician and founding member of the heavy metal band Motley Crue. How many studio albums has Tommy Lee drummed on? And it's the text in answer. Text in, please. We have a winner. We do have a winner. You guys were very close. Tactic said 17. Nerd Bomber said 20. And Nerd Bomber is correct. The oh, yeah. behind victory. 28 is the number we were looking for. This was a bit of a trick question. Uh, he actually provided drums for eight albums with Motley Crue. Uh, okay, no, no one likes Crue. that. It wasn't the even a sweep. It wasn't wild. even like, you need to relax. Sorry. Eight albums with Motley Crue, three solo studio albums, and guest appearances on a large number of studio albums from various bands, a lot of which you probably know. Rob Zombie, Jack's Mannequin, Fall Out Boy, Fuel, uh, The Smashing Pumpkins, and Post Malone which I was pretty surprised to see. Uh, so he's been around the block. So, uh, yeah, that takes us to the end. Nerd Bomber, congratulations. Uh, you move to four and five. Tectic moves to four and five. And I stay at five and four. Could not be closer right now. 
razor edge, uh, a razor, sorry, razor thin margin of victory here at the online warriors. Uh, Steven at one and oh, still undefeated. So next week, nerd bomber will pit tactic and I against each other in a battle of wills topic TBD. In the meantime, we want to thank you all for joining us here at the Online Warriors podcast. We want to thank Charles again for joining us for an interview earlier in the show. And I will let Tactic take us out with a tech tip. You ever see a line of people that that want to hit you? All the time. That That's the punchline. That was terrible. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>